Hey, Verse Course Verse DL here. It is that time of the year again already. In about two weeks, we will be recording our finale episodes, and we want to hear from you. Do you have any questions for us? Do you have any comments? Anything that you want to say that might make it in the finale? Write us. Send an email to contact at versecourseverse.com. Send me a message on Instagram at versecourseversepod. Whatever you want to do, hit us up. We will answer your questions on the finale. Hey, thanks. Coming up on Verse Course Verse, The Great Search Volume 3 is next. And oh, how I hope my voice doesn't annoy you, because it's all you get. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse Episode 94. I am DL with me, Crickets. That's right. Nobody. You're with me. How are you? Are you doing well today? I'm great. It is early morning on a Saturday, trying to punch this out before I do another pod tonight with a couple friends whom you know and love, probably, or you wouldn't be listening to this. This is my last solo episode of the year. These went pretty well. I think a lot of positive feedback, which is a little bit of a relief, could have gone one or two ways. I was supposed to have an extra solo episode this year. Actually, I was going to do the Janet episode solo, but a certain member of the team let me know that it probably wasn't a good idea to be just one white dude talking about Janet Jackson, which I get probably right. I think I would have done her justice. I love Janet Jackson and shouldn't matter. Color, creed, sex. But you people, man, just looking for anything to bring me down. I get it. I see you. Uh, No, I'm glad Rachel joined me. That ended up being a great episode. I'm proud of that one. I'm proud of the promo. Uh, The promo got ripped off. So, hey, rip off is the sincerest form of flattery, correct? That's what I've always been told. State of the podcast. How's the podcast doing? Man, we are almost done this year. We are so close to the finale. A few more episodes to record before it's all end of year. And those of you that have stuck with us through season one, we love you and thank you. You know the drill, though. We will do our kind of end of the year stuff. We have episodes lined up about albums that we missed this year. Let's talk about that first. We missed so many albums this year. I am very aware. And I've also gotten a couple of people not really complaining, more um, suggesting that we take more time potting about new albums, that we're really hamstringing ourselves by only talking about a select, you know, we do three to four episodes about new albums a year. I disagree with that. There are two reasons why I'm not going to do that. And those people that recommended this, I hope you understand and still listen. If not, that sucks, but we're not going to change. I am always open to any sort of criticism, any sort of things that you think the pod maybe should do or shouldn't do. And I've accepted a lot of feedback. I really have. We've changed a lot about this show, which if you go back and you listen to the first three episodes, maybe don't go back and listen to the first three episodes. It is a very different beast today because we needed various content. And I'm very proud of the content. Anyway, point being... Two reasons I won't do that. Number one, 
there is so much social content out about new music, about what's come out, about new things, uh, reviewers that are already very famous that talk new releases. It is a field that is just so done. And with that comes along the fact that I, you know, a lot of you disagree with a lot of things I say when we do our quickfire reviews. For those of you that don't know the quickfire reviews, we do three of them a year. We take 10 new albums. We talk about them for six minutes. You get a chance to listen to an album three or four. You know, if you love the album, you end up listening to it six or seven times before the episode. If you don't, you listen to it once or twice. That's not fair. That's not fair to the artist. It's not fair to us as reviewers because we aren't giving the album a fair shake and we aren't giving ourselves a fair shake to listen enough to the albums. So I can't just make all of our content new things because I honestly do think that to give a real honest review of an album, a completely honest review, you need time. You need a couple years with it. You need to go back. We talked about Interpol in the last episode. This is another thing that's hard is, you know, these bands, these labels, they give us rights to play these bands. And boy, that is a whole other level of guilt when you aren't a big fan of the album. I learned a lot about uh, the Halo Effect, the band that Evil had us put on the last Quickfire review. I learned a lot about them while I was researching and afterwards, and they were always real quick to say, yeah, use our stuff. And it hit me after because they, the drummer and the singer and stuff, they liked some of our Instagram stuff. And there is this huge pang of guilt because honestly, I pretty much just shat on the vocals for that album, which is wrong. It's not cool. You know, I go back and I listen to myself and it's embarrassing, but stuff like that is, it's not, I don't think that guy's a bad vocalist at all. He's doing things that I could never do. I just, you know, the metal vocals, death metal vocals are not for my ears. They never have been. Anyway, so the whole point of that is to say to those bands that are, I'm sure aren't listening to this now because they're too mad at us that we gave them a bad review. uh, We don't know what the hell we're talking about. We aren't experts. We aren't. Sven and I have been playing music forever and we are a little bit trained and jazz trained and things like that. That doesn't mean we know music any more than, you know, Rachel, who hasn't had a lot of training. She was in choir, but she hasn't learned instruments and I don't think she had a ton of that jazz training. But that doesn't mean she knows any less about music than me. Everybody from all walks, Rachel, who's more of a pop person, Evil, who's much more of a metal but much more of a inward thinking person, very, you know, wants to have his thoughts provoked. Sven, who uh, can appreciate musicians, but also is just really into pop bangers. And then me, who I don't know, I don't know what the fuck, my shit doesn't make sense at all. None of us can give a proper review listening to something for two weeks. So I'm glad that we do the quick fire reviews. I think it's plenty for new music. I don't want to do more of that. And that's the second reason. I said there was a second reason. The second reason is this is our fucking podcast. We can do what we want. And while I will always take criticism, I will always take feedback, and I will always think about it honestly and truly, in the end, it's our podcast. And we're going to do what we want. And I am very, very happy with where our content is. I think we found a good mixture of, you know, do I get to talk about what I want to every episode? No, I don't. But it's fun. And I very rarely am not excited for an episode. I am looking forward to, if this podcast works out, 
um, which I guess I can get into that a little bit as well. Years down the line, having episodes where we go back to our quick fires and we do a status of, of these. You know, this year we're going to do an episode. We're calling it the Revisit and Revise 2021. And we're going to do this every year. Essentially, our episode before the finale, we go back, we listen to our finale from last year, we go back through the albums and the songs we picked and everything, say how wrong we were or how right we were, or how we still think this or wow, were we ever the fuck off on that? If it feels like, I think it's because I just got done editing the last Quickfire review and we were, we were pretty hard on a lot of these bands and I'm not, I don't feel great about it, but it's also honest. Maybe I'm feeling a little guilty about that, but this is kind of a reminder that I will be the first one to say that I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I would think that by now, hopefully our, our consistent listeners understand that I am no elitist. I am no, I have an opinion and I express it and I can be very brash about it, but I will be the first to admit that I have no idea what I'm talking about. And if somebody else has a different opinion than me, they're just as right as I am, you know, just because I do not like Blackpink or what that whole thing stands for. They're one of Rachel's favorite groups and she loves what they stand for. I think that we can both be right. And I don't think that just because she listens to that style of music more that that means she's right. Or because I research more about what's really going on in the background that that makes me right. I don't think anybody's right. I don't think anybody's wrong. Whew, man, that got oddly deep. Anyway, I'm actually really looking forward to that revisit and revise episode every year. I think that'll be fun. I already know a few things that are going to change, but that's the whole point is these new album reviews. You need more time with new albums. And so, yeah, three quick fire reviews and a what did we miss this year? That's 50 albums. We're covering 50 new albums a year. So you know what? Fuck you guys. We do plenty of new albums. You can go to hell. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It will be fun to revisit the year before and see how wrong we were. We're also, you know, our finale's going to be a double episode at the end of December. And then just like last year, we're going to have off-season episodes where we all record our own stuff, all compile it. Uh, just give everybody a while off to recalibrate. It's going to be fun content. It's going to be aimed directly at a few things that are coming for season three, which we will tell you about around the finale, probably the episode before the finale, which is going to be our 100th episode. <laughs> I know. I did a lot of uh, thinking about that. I could have done the math to where the finale was our 100th episode, but, you know, the 100th episode needs to be its own episode. So last year we did the What is Music episode, where we all just talked about music. Went over really well. This will be kind of taking that place and doing that as well. It'll be really cool. We're actually going to be up at a cabin together in person. We're going to set everything up around a campfire and just chat about uh, what's happened in the first 100 episodes. I'm really fucking stoked for it. So good things happening. A lot more stuff coming next year. Big interviews next year. We'll reveal those, uh, most of them, at the finale as well or the on that same episode. But let's talk about tonight. What are we doing tonight? You know, actually, before I get into that, I want to talk about the music that you heard on the intro to this episode. And you will also hear a couple more songs on my breaks. 
This is a project, we'll call it, called Furious Ball, all one word. It's one gentleman named Van's project. He reached out to me. A lot of bands, a lot of projects reaching out, seeing if we'll have people on, if we'll play stuff. We're not going to have that many people on, just so you know. And that's not because we don't want to promote independent artists. That's why we do this. And I'll do this any episode that we don't get song rights to, I will happily do this. And probably even some of them that we do get rights to, I'll still do this because I am all for supporting independent artists. When somebody sends me something, if it's on Bandcamp, if it's something like that, I'll, I buy it. If there's a vinyl, I buy it and I listen to it. I'm all about supporting it. We just don't have the capacity to have independent artists on all the time to talk about their projects. And to be totally honest with you, it's not incredible content. <laughs> Musicians, me at one point included, we are too self-centered and eccentric. The content ends up being about one person and that's not great. So instead, what we do is we feature music that I hear and if I like it, I put it on. Today's is Furious Ball. It is probably our last project that we will promote this year. Also, for those of you looking to submit for us to feature, and I'm telling you, please do it. Try to have at least an album of work. If you've just come out with a single so far, we need to hear more because we feature more music. I can't just hear one song and decide. There is a mutual respect typically on the musicians that I choose to play because half the people that submit stuff, they've never heard our podcast. They don't give a shit what our podcast is about. And I'm not into that. I get as an independent artist, you just got to submit to every single thing you possibly can. But I want you to understand what this is about before you just throw your music onto it. So typically that's the other thing is usually the artists that we feature seem like really good people. They're very open about what they're trying to do. This guy Van is definitely one of them. He's been awesome through contact and his album, which is on Bandcamp, which I did buy. I think it's like seven bucks for a digital copy, but you can name your own price. If you like this music, give it a couple of bucks more. You know, you're fucking independent artist, man. It ain't easy right now. Or ever. But this album is good. The song that you heard on the intro, Just Whisper the News to Me, really, really catchy hook, which that's what I try to do on the very first song, is I try to get a really catchy hook on there. It has a very post punk, a couple of the other tracks that I'm going to play. You hear a little bit of Odelay ish stuff, you hear a little bit of Dandy Warhols. Very, very cool. It's very well produced. It's a great project. He should be very, very proud of it. It just came out in August of this year. Like I said, good, comma, no good. I'm pretty sure Furious Ball has a bunch of other stuff. Like I think you can buy their whole discography, you know, been doing stuff for a little while. But this is a great album. Ten tracks, two of them as radio edits, so eight tracks. Definitely worth the money. Hope you enjoy it. Furious Ball, hope we get you a couple downloads. Uh, it's good stuff. Check it out. So we talked about the music that we have for tonight. Now we got to get to the most important part of the night. What am I drinking? Well, it's actually not night. It is morning. As I said, it's not morning. It's brunch. But as I said, I've, I'm recording with a couple other people, some other content uh, here soon. So I'm not going to go crazy. I'm also doing really, really well health-wise, so I'm drinking a lot less because of that. Uh, not so much because I'm, I haven't found God or anything. I'm just trying to keep it healthy, I'm trying to make sure that I feel 110% because I've been feeling really, really good lately, and it's a nice, it's just nice to feel your body thanking you for taking care of it. So I'm drinking water. 
and I've got me a Michelob Ultra. And yes, I know it's not even, so I've got two waters, basically. Say what you want. I'm going to have a couple drinks tonight as a reward for the week. And I'm okay with that. We're not always going to be drinking all the drinks on this show. Frequently, but not always. Save that for the more special times when I'm with other people. You're not supposed to drink alone, right? That's like one of the keys of being an alcoholic. So there you go. I'm, well, I'm having a beer, so never mind. While I am drinking what I am drinking, what am I doing here? Well, for those of you that know the podcast, you know what I'm doing here. This is the third episode of This Nature, and I think I've kind of gotten a hang of it. We'll get into it a little bit later. This episode has me most curious about the equation and if it's going to work. I am, we'll say 72% positive that it is working, but I may have to talk through that today. The equation, what is the equation if you do not know? So in true me fashion, I have always been a what's your favorite band of all time guy through thick or thin, no matter what. That's always been one of my go-tos that I'm interested in hearing people answer. I think it opens up a lot of conversation pieces. The problem is, is not very many people automatically know, know for certain, at least. Kind of including me over the last five or six years. I, I've felt like things have kind of changed. So I came up with an equation. I came up with two equations. One equation to try to find who the best band of all time is. Is that broad enough for you? And then another equation for favorite my favorite band of all time. So what does a best band of all time consist of? Isn't it intangible? I mean, yeah, it's a ridiculous question in the first place, but podcasting is ridiculous, so I'm fine with it. To me, best band of all time is a band that highly influential, you know, sold a crap ton and kept selling through the years. You know, a band like Nirvana may have only had a few albums, but they're still selling because it's Nirvana. There are things that I maybe don't agree with, but it doesn't matter what I think if it's best. Things like the Rolling Stones 500 best albums of all time or best songs of all time or what's gone platinum or what's hit number one on the billboard charts. There are things like that that you're able to factor in and that's what I've done. And then favorite band of all time is just about songs that I think are great or okay or bad what I'd buy. Pretty simple. So this is what I do is I take one band that is a, I would say a, a favorite or, or what I think would be highly ranked on best band of all time stuff. Bands that are selling out arenas that have been around for a long time that had four straight albums of platinum, they're, they're going to rank pretty high. And then I pick a band that I feel is going to go highly onto my favorites, a band that I've always loved that I think would do really well there. And then I do a band that we've been talking about a ton on the podcast, one that is just either randomly or on purpose because of year dissections and album dissections has come up a lot. And then I do an artist. Now, in this case, I kind of did the same thing. I did an artist that we've been talking about a lot. I'm wondering if this is a cap off of this artist on this podcast. I feel it might be, at least for a while. I think she's got a new album that's going to come out, but I think we've gone to where we wanted to go with her as an artist. And boy, do I love her. I'm sure that listeners know who I'm talking about. That's what we're doing tonight. We've picked four more, adding on to the eight that I've already done. 
I guess I can give the recap now, or should I do a break? Let's do a break first. I've been talking way too much already. It's almost like this is a podcast. I'm the only person here. Let's take a break. I'll be right back. I am back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the song that you heard coming in by Furious Ball. One word, like I said, it's called A Fossil in Her Shadow. I think this is probably my favorite song on this album. It's very light, it's very catchy, great beat. It does have that little bit of what would you say early 2000s like i said a little bit of beck built to spillish maybe a little more not artsy but I, I keep going back to dandy warhols that sort of maybe a little bit less eccentric dandy warhols to furious ball sorry i know that artists hate being compared to other artists but hey i gotta sell you to the masses somehow right but yeah go to Bandcamp. i'm sure you can find this guy this project on a lot of different places but if these people are on Bandcamp or they have a album you can buy that's where i'm going to tell you to go i'm not going to keep giving out spotify's and stuff like that not because i don't want the artists to get downloads but because Bandcamp is the first place you should go to try to find our independent artists we need to support independent artists that's the best place to do it pretty simple stuff Here's some money. Thank you for the music. Don't you miss those days. Furious Ball, go check them out. The Great Search Volume 3. Should I start with a recap? I've done two of these episodes so far. The first equation, I definitely had to change a few things around, and I did recalibrate, redid the math for these bands. The last time I actually, I haven't changed the equation. I was really happy with the last one. I've got to think about a few things in the off season because I think I am going to continue doing this in season three. This is actually kind of surprising to me. It's gotten really good feedback. I really appreciate it. It's a stupid, quirky thing. And I guess people like stupid, quirky shit in podcasts. Let me go through the current rankings and then I'll explain the equations and we will get into the bands. So far, I have done eight bands or artists for the equations. The first one, the best bands of all time. So far, what we have are we have coming in at a 0.075, very, very low, Soul Coughing. I love Soul Coughing, but they don't have the hits. They don't have the charts. They don't have the longevity. They have the cult following because they're amazing, but not enough people know about them, and that's just how it is. Second to last, we have Jerry Cantrell at a point one six seven. No, this does not include Alice in Chains. This does not include any other projects that he's done. It doesn't include movies he's been in. He has been in a movie. It's just him doing his solo work. Uh, we did it because he had come out with the solo stuff last year, which I have some thoughts on. I, I was not as big of a fan when it first came out. I wasn't a fan when it first came out really at all. That changed. I kind of dig his newest solo album. It is... It's actually pretty damn good, but I'm sticking with this. Maybe I'll have to do some, maybe season three or four, I'll start revisiting these and going through the songs and recalibrating. The third least best band of all time so far at a 0. .420 is Cake. We have talked a lot about Cake this year. That's another band that I think we're pretty much done with. We've covered everything. 
We covered Fashion Nugget. We dissected them. I had them on here. Great band. Love them to death. But like I said, they don't have as many hits. They don't have as much longevity. And there you go. Next up on the list at a 1.099. So you can see it freaking skyrockets. We started a 0.075 with Soul Coughing. Then it gets to a, a 420 with Cake. Shout out Potheads. Pumping all the way up to a 1.099. It is Rachel's favorite artist, Peter Gabriel. Love the Peter Gabriel. And the world has loved him too. Uh, he's He's got a lot of hits. He's sold a lot of albums. Above him, another big jump at a 1.301 Credence Clearwater Revival. Talked a lot about them the first season. They are an amazing band. They are more of a quality over quantity band. You know, everything they came out with was good. And that does factor in a lot in this sort of thing. Above them, it a 1.345, so very close, is Green Day. Green Day, yes, the band that's been around for freaking a quarter of a century. Multiple generations of fans. They do have a lot of mediocre to bad stuff out, but they've sold so much for so long that can't really deny the greatness there uh, as much as I might want to at times. And then our second best band so far of all time at a 1.659. So another kind of significant jump, the Foo Fighters. We've talked to the Foo Fighters a little bit on this podcast. We should probably talk some more. <laughs> uh, we've talked a lot of Foo Fighters, but they keep, that's the Foo Fighters. They keep themselves relevant. Sometimes it's, you know, not on purpose and it's for really sad things like it was this year, but they're always relevant. Dave Grohl keeps himself relevant, whether it's a movie or a new album or a change of an album or something that happened at a live performance. And uh, because of that, because of the sales, because of the worldwide sales and what they've done, that's why they're so high up. And then number one with a bullet, so far above everything else so far, and I'm not, I really, there are two bands that I could see maybe surpassing this. Hopefully there's one I'm not thinking of because I don't want this to be the end of the best of, you know, like nobody's ever going to top it. But man, it, this could be something that's not going to be topped at a 2.588 is Michael Jackson. And what do you say about, you know, all the hits, all the sales worldwide, diamond albums, unstoppable. So you hear all the numbers, what's the equation? Actually, you know what? No, I'll go through the equation once I start talking about uh, bands. Before I do that, let's do the favorites results that we have so far. This is me and my favorite bands of all time, and it's very, very different. Goes to show you from the very first, the least favorite so far out of those eight is Green Day at a 1.089. You know, there's Green Day I love, but there is a lot of Green Day that I loathe. And I feel like a lot of people in my generation are like that. Next up is Jerry Cantrell at a 1.333. Love the man, love the guitar. He's a guitarist in one of my favorite bands of all time. But a lot of his solo stuff is, yeah, I love some of it. But it, I'm not going to say anything bad. It's Jerry Cantrell. I love Jerry Cantrell. Next up is Michael Jackson at a 1.350 kind of surprises me but yeah i can see it once i get to these other bands because above him and i agree i'm a bigger fan of this band than i am michael jackson and that is soul coughing at a 1.450 i love soul coughing and to me i you know honestly i'm kind of surprised they're not higher up on this for me but then i think about all the songs that these other bands have come out with and it makes sense like next up for example is peter gabriel at 1.493 and he 
has a lot of stuff that I'm not a huge fan of, but if we're talking incredible songs, stuff that he's come out with that I'm floored with, yeah, he has a crap ton of it. Same thing for the next band at a 1.524 is Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters is just one of those bands that I never think they're a favorite, but then people start listening off their songs and I start looking at their albums and like, yeah, shit. And then so far we have my second favorite band, at a 1.556 Credence, Clearwater Revival surprised me. I only own like one of their albums, uh, which is kind of a travesty. It's a little embarrassing. I'll remedy that very soon, I am sure. Leading to my current favorite band of all time, one that we talked about a lot this year, Cake, at a 1.754. So many good songs, albums that I just absolutely love. I would own most of it, and that's where we're at so far. All right, we've talked about what we've done so far on the first two episodes of The Great Search. Now let's talk about what we're doing this time. So artist, I already kind of pretty much gave it away, but we've talked about her a ton. We've talked about her brother, and it was just time to do Janet Jackson. A lot of music that I love of hers, a lot that I'm not a big fan of. There's a lot of easy spit out pop in Janet's career for me, but I still love her to death. And love talking about her, and she deserves to be in the conversation here. Uh, Definitely don't think that she's going to be last by any means. In fact, I think she's probably going to end up pretty high up in the best. Next up, another band we've talked a lot about due to a new release, due to dissecting them last year, due to some other things. I always think of them as kind of one of my steady favorites. And that is Muse. Complicated relationship now with Muse because they're starting to have more and more not good music. More stuff that when I go back and listen to, I'm less impressed with. But they still have so much stuff that I am impressed with, and we'll get to that. Next band that we've talked a ton about, that we have dissected, that we've done, I think might hold the record for the highest rating of an album on this podcast so far. When Evil and I gave it a 10 out of 10 and Rachel gave it a 9 out of 10, which was Mesmerize, and that is from System of a Down. System of a Down, I also decided to do today. A little bit surprised by... Well, maybe not. See, I'm going to have to talk through it as we go. And then, of course, the last one, the one that I figured would do really highly on at least one of these. Not very many albums, ladies and gentlemen, and was not around for very long, but one of the most influential bands of all time and one of the ones where I, when I can get the nerve to turn the albums on, boy, am I just completely in love. And that is Joy Division, Ian Curtis, pre-New Order, Joy Division who a lot of people I know don't love Joy Division, but I've never heard any, I've never had the hot take of, you know what, Joy Division sucks. And I just don't, I hope I never hear that. Those are the bands we're talking about. Those are the groups. Those are the people. Muse, Janet Jackson, System of a Down, and Joy Division. Should I just get into it? Should I just start talking about the first one? What should we go to first? Should we go to Muse? Let's go to Muse. Let's start with the best equation. What is the equation? First off, I do have the equation written out on the website. If you go to our website, versecourseverse.com, on the little bookmarky, scroll downy, click thingy, you can see how IT savvy I am. Not a big surprise that Sven is the one that does our website. 
Definitely not me that puts the equation on there. I write the equation out. Sven puts it on there. If you go in the headlines uh, and you go to the search, you will see the full equation because I know that it's harder to translate through just listening with your earballs. The things that are included in the best band of all time equation are number one billboard hits. So songs that hit number one. And that's not just American charts. That was one of the things that I did wrong in the first equation. It is all charts. It is Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, American rock, American alternative. Anywhere that it hit number one, that counts. And I think that that's very fair. Another part of the equation is top 40 billboard hits. And same thing there. It can be a hit on any billboard chart. 40 or higher. What else am I including in best band? Rolling Stone recently, they had come out with the greatest albums of all time, the 500 greatest albums of all time. And then they recently came out with the 500 greatest songs of all time. So in the equation, I have separated the Rolling Stone greatest songs of all time. I have separated songs one through 250. So if that band has a song within the 250 favorite songs of all time for Rolling Stone, it's worth quite a bit because that's a very rare thing. Split up the second way, not worth as much, but still worth a lot if they have a song that's between 250 and 500 on the greatest songs of all time for Rolling Stone. And then to cap it off, we have platinum albums, gold albums, additional platinum albums. That's kind of how I've done all of it. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm taking the Rolling Stone songs that are uh, 1 to 250 for that band, timesing it by 2, and then I'm adding that to number 1 Billboard hits all together, timesing that by 2, dividing that over total number of songs. And then on the second part of the equation, I'm taking platinum albums times 2 plus gold albums plus additional platinum albums times 0.25. So if they've gone platinum six times, they have five that are times 0.25. All that together, over 20, that's your best band of all time equation. So best band of all time equation, let's start with Muse. Let's start with number one songs on the billboard. This is unbelievable to me. Absolutely shocking. Muse has had one Number one billboard hit. One. In the UK, in the US, anywhere. That is shocking to me. Especially considering, you know what it is? It's their cover of Feeling Good off of the Harp album. The live album that they did, the H-A-R-P. Feeling Good off of that hit number one. That's the only number one they've had. I can't believe that. Time is running out. Super massive black hole some of the stuff off a of simulation theory when they really started to get radio more radio poppy i i can't believe it it's just crazy to me however if you're talking top 40 on billboards including all those all the countries that i talked about and more they do have 41 they have 30 singles that hit on the billboards 12 of those and then 12 that just went straight off of albums so they, they do a lot of singles. They do a lot of, you know, like when Time is Running Out comes out before the album and that gets really high. They do, they're they really good at that. Kind of the old school 80s and 90s way or 2000s ways of releasing music. They're good at it. And they have 41 top 40 hits. So that's a lot. As far as Rolling Stone's best songs of all time, they have none. 
I guess I'm not very surprised by that. I disagree. I think that you could easily put one or two Muse songs on there, but you know, 500 songs is not a lot of songs. I haven't taken the time to look at that list. I'm sure it would piss me off if I did. Platinum albums. So here's where Muse does shine. They have 16 Platinums total. They are consistently Platinum. Their albums are all going to hit Platinum. The new one hasn't gotten up to gold or anything yet, but it's brand freaking new. But they have a lot of doubles. They have a lot of triple Platinums. They are consistently a Platinum band. They do not have any gold like I said, though, it's either platinum or bust. Will the people's going to be gold soon? I would be surprised if it doesn't go platinum. I need to look at the reviews on that one. We reviewed <laughs> Will of the People. Uh, it, I am, I stand by my review. I do not think it's a good album. I didn't hate it as much as Rachel and Evil did, but f- man, it is just. <sighs> They just keep doing the same thing over and over now and and calling it different is what it is. And then lastly, total number of songs, which I put in at 111. Keep in mind that it's not just, I don't do covers count as 0.5. I don't count live tracks. I don't count additional bonus feature stuff, things like that. If it is a song that's off of a soundtrack that was never on an album, I, I do count that. And they have 111 total songs. As far as, I'm not going to bore you with just going through all that crap again that I just went through about what the equation is. But for the best band of all time, that puts Muse at a 1.314. At the end, I'll go over how, where that puts them on the list. Let's go to, uh, let's go down to System of a Down. Let's go down to a band that I think I've always known that I really liked. I didn't realize how much I respected until we talked a lot about them. Just a great band. And as far as bests, number one songs on the billboards for them, they do have two, actually. They have one more than Muse did, which I guess doesn't surprise me that much. Uh, Aerials and Hypnotize. That does kind of surprise me. Chop Suey, never number one. Toxicity, never number one. Because man, I'm thinking back on how much those songs were played. But yeah, Aerials and Hypnotize was played a crap ton too. A lot of their songs were though. It just surprises me that those are the number twos. As far as top 40s, a lot less than Muse. They have 11. Uh, A lot of that has to do with they have less music. Not only less music, but a couple of their albums didn't do well. Their first album is so kind of cult follow-y. But yeah, you could say the same thing about Muse too. So that might not be fair. Uh, but Muse does have a lot more music in general. Platinum albums, S- System of Down has 13 platinums. All of their albums have gone platinum. And then, you know, like Toxicity has gone six times platinum, or they have some extremely popular albums. 13 complete platinum albums. They also have, and that's kind of surprising. Well, I don't know. Does it surprise me? Maybe I just need to stop saying it surprises me because it's Rolling Stones. So who ever knows? But they don't have any best songs of all time, according to Rolling Stones. And then the total songs that they've come out with, uh, 69, which was also the number of the episode for us that we dissected them at. This is a very immature band, and I'm a little worried about them. And that puts System of a Down for the best band of all time results in at a .817. I think their lack of top 40 hits really hurt them. You know, the fact that a band like Muse has 30 more big hits than they did uh, really does kind of hurt them in the end for the whole whole kit and caboodle. Which brings us to the Miss Janet 
Janet Jackson. Uh, another behemoth in her time. We talked about Control and Rhythm Nation just going platinum after platinum after platinum, never stopping. And she was just the biggest thing of all time. And we talked about why she died down. In retrospect, after doing that episode and being so angry researching it, after I've calmed down a little bit and really thought about it, you know, she wasn't still the insane pull when she did the uh, Super Bowl as I had put in my head. She was still popular, but she wasn't, she wasn't Rhythm Nation popular. You know, this was long after she was one of the biggest pop stars in the world. She was still huge. But I don't think it was just the Super Bowl that banished her from being huge anymore. I think people kind of grew out of the late 80s, early 90s hip hop, which people do. Still love her to death. And as far as the best bands of all time, her as an artist, it's going to be a big deal that she has 18 number one hits on the Billboard. 18. So you compare that to like Systems 2 and Muses 1, it's a pretty big deal. Because of her 18 number one hits, uh, because everything that she did was so popular, she actually only has nine top 40s. It's not because she's not good, it's just because her songs, all of her songs got popular, like went to number one, which I think is pretty freaking cool. And then uh, as far as Rolling Stones, 500 best songs of all time, she does have one. She has one in two, the 250 through 500. And I don't remember what number it is, but it's Rhythm Nation. It's the song Rhythm Nation, which I'm good with that. That deserves to be on there. And if there was a Janet Jackson song that I would think should be, it'd be that one. I can think of a couple others maybe, but definitely Rhythm Nation for sure. As far as platinum albums, 25, 25 platinum albums, seven of her albums have gone platinum, 18 additional platinums. So, you know, like Control, Rhythm Nation, those alone gave her a crap ton of platinums. She has one gold album. The only thing that could possibly hurt her, she has a lot of songs. She has 205 songs. That is a lot. So keep in mind that I divide everything by the number of songs. And I would think it'd be obvious that I did that so that the... I'm a big quantity over quality person. So, you know, if you only have three albums with the three albums are amazing, then you deserve to be higher than somebody that has three amazing albums and also 10 crappy albums. Not to say that that's Janet, but with all those number one hits, all those additional platinums, Janet clocks in at a 1.224. So higher than system, which I would best band of all time. I would, I think I would agree with it's not favorite. It's best. And I don't even know which one of those I would pick. I don't know if I'd pick System of a Down or Janet Jackson. I really love both of them. But now to our last one, Joy Division. Four best bands of all time. Number one hits, they had four. Uh, I didn't write them down. I wish I would have. I'm sure Love Will Tear Us Apart, which I did count, but that's technically not even on an album. They, you know, they had a couple singles that came out after Closer and Unknown Pleasures. They had four number one hits and then only two top 40 hits. So the four number one hits, two top 40 hits. They do have a song in the Rolling Stones 1 through 500. They actually have song number 41 on that list is Love Will Tear Us Apart. So very, very high. So they do get a point for that. Here's something gross. You ready for this? No platinum albums. Okay. So how do you like that? Nobody listens to Joy Division. It fucking figures. Uh, they have two gold albums. That's their two albums. 
So the two albums that they do have are gold. That's just so disappointing. And complete songs that they have uh, 21. I know that there's a lot of bonus stuff on the, the ones that they came out with after Closer, but I only counted the non-released studio-made songs, which is just two more songs. Um, so 21 songs. That clocked Joy Division for Best Band of All Time in at .837. So what do we have so far? Starting from the bottom, we've got Soul Coughing at a .075. Jerry Cantrell, .167. Cake, .420. Above them, with a big leap, System, .817. Just above them, Barely. And I think it's just because it was so few music, but they still had so few songs, but they had more number one hits is what I'm thinking is the big deal. Uh, And that's Joy Division at 8.37. So extremely close between System of a Down and Joy Division. Above them is Peter Gabriel at 1.099. Above him is Janet at 1.224. Below Credence at 1.301 which leads us to our highest for best band of all time from this category, which is what I called, and I called it Muse at a 1.314. Below Green Day at a 1.345, still having Foo Fighters at a 1.659, then Michael at 2.588. I see zero problems with that. Muse being above Credence, but below Green Day seems perfect to me. Janet being above Peter Gabriel, I can understand. Joy Division and System being below Peter, I can understand. But definitely both would have to be above Cake, Jerry Cantrell, and Soul Coughing. I'm good with this. I actually think this list works out well. I do question for best band, Joy Division over System. Just because it just feels like System was around so much longer, even though they were not around long at all. But I'm good with it. I think that the equation works well for this. Uh, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back to talk about favorites. We are back. The song that you heard coming in from the break by Furious Ball. One more time. I'm here from the back. I Let You Find Me. It is track four on their album, Good, No Good. On his album, Good, No Good, I think this is a solo project. I apologize if it's a whole band. Uh, I'm a bad person. But I bought your album, so I can say whatever the fuck I want. I'm just kidding. This is really good stuff. This is a really good listen. I like this song, I Let You Find Me, has this kind of mid-90s quirky guitar feel feel a little bit of the indie 90s you know the that built to spill modest mouse guitar that you want to get from a good solo artist Uh, i just dig it but it's still got that like i already said modest mouse it's got that little bit of drum track sounding drums it's cool stuff it is a good project go to Bandcamp, check them out support local support jesus support independent artists and even if you're not going to buy the album you you don't have the money to buy the album go find it and download it on wherever it doesn't cost any money to download shit and it helps these artists out so furious ball i hope we get you a couple downloads hope somebody goes and buys your album thank you very much for letting us play your stuff uh good luck to you and uh hopefully you keep churning out the good tunes let's go in now for favorites so 
Favorite equation is a lot more opinion-based. Imagine that because it's all about me. What I do is I break the equation down. I listen to every single song, remind myself of every single song, divide them into amazing songs. It has to be amazing, fantastic, great song. I could turn on at any time and I'm going to just completely love it. From there, I go good or bad songs, anything not like offensively shitty, but just not good to this is a good song. And then terrible songs, a song that is, I can't believe that this band came out with this. So I divide them between those three. Those all get divided by, like we said before, total number of songs. And then the other part of the equation, vinyls that I would buy over a set number. Vinyls of this band, you know, that is a good, I'm an album person. I think bands that are good need to have full albums. That's a big deal to me. That's why it's in the favorite band of all time equation. It's simple and so far it's worked great. And with that, let's go to these bands. Let's start with Muse like we did in the last one and go through this equation. Uh, Amazing songs, songs that I just think I could turn on at any time and I just think that they are spectacular. They have 18. They have a lot. I, I really am a really big Muse fan. And there are songs that they came out with that are just, you know, especially in their old catalog, like Plug and Baby and Hyper Music and Time is Running Out and Stockholm Syndrome and Hysteria. Well, like half of Absolution. Uh, Black Holes and Revelations has all the, you know, Exopolitics and Knights of Sidonia and, and even some of their later stuff with Simulation Theory. You've got you know, pressure. I love pressure. I know that people think that that's just a hokey pop thing, but, um, another one that's good and I didn't even count it, but there is a version of pressure being backed by the UCLA marching band. It's really cool. Really, really cool. As far as good songs to really not good songs, uh, not great songs, not there, whatever. I have Muse at 75 and then terrible songs. I have them also at 18. So this is where later Muse starts to hurt a little bit for me is they have, especially on these last couple albums. And like I said, maybe in a couple of years when I go back to Will of the People, that'll change. But boy, they've come out with some really, really bad songs and a lot of mediocre stuff and not even mediocre, but it just sounds so much like something that they'd already done that I can't count it as a, a great song. And like I said before, that's over 111 total songs. Here's one of the things that really helps Muse for me. And it's one of the bigger ones, kind of a little bit surprising now that I think about what I feel about some of these albums. Uh, Seven is the number of vinyl I would own. And (laughs) kind of cheating for them because Will of the People, yeah, I own it because I pre-bought it. Uh, Do I regret that? (sighs) Anyway. That's Muse's numbers. That puts Muse at a 1.376 for favorite band of all time. Let's go down to System. System, I didn't know what was going to happen with System. But I think the fact that secretly I was kind of hoping that they would be above Muse was a little bit telling as far as amazing songs. I have them at 13. Keep in mind, 69 total songs, 13 of them I think are amazing. That's a big deal. That is a very high percentage. You heard us talk a lot this year about Mesmerize, a lot. And honestly, half that album is freaking amazing to me. Revenge, BYOB, Cigarro, This Cocaine Makes Me Feel Like I'm On This Song, Sad Statue, Lost in Hollywood. 
we talked about hypnotize and even though I don't love hypnotize, there's like kill rock and roll on there, which I think is just an absolutely amazing steal this album, which is a mishmash, but still you have songs like boom and ADD, which are crazy good. And then of course, toxicity with toxicity and aerials and chop suey and prison song Atwa or ATWA. I don't, I don't, I still don't know which one that is, but it doesn't matter. System of a Down has, you know, out of those four albums, a ton of amazing songs. I do think that they have four terrible songs. I am not a fan of Hypnotize. I am, I'm not a big fan of Hypnotize. I'm not a big fan of their first album. And I do think there are a couple songs on, I think it was one song on their first album and three off Hypnotize that I think are very not good. And then they have 52 good to bad songs. If this was separated even further, I think it'd probably be higher towards the good. I, there's a lot of really good system. Vinyls I would own four. I, and ironically, I would probably put their self-titled album higher up above the Hypnotize album, but I wouldn't, I don't hypnotize before they're self-titled just because there are a couple songs on there that I absolutely love. But Toxicity, Mesmerize, uh, Steal This Album, Heartbeat. In fact, I do own a couple of those already, so four. And that puts System in, uh, as far as favorite band of all time, at a 1.414, which leads us to Janet. This was an interesting one because, remember, 205 total songs, so there needed to be a lot of really good stuff. I think she has 10 amazing songs. I'm probably going to get chastised heavily for that at some point, but I, I think she has 10 amazing songs. I think she has 182 good or not so good songs. And I think she has 13 really bad songs. Just being honest, and I, I tried to separate, I've, I've been listening to Janet for months now for the pod and for other things. And man, some of her albums are a true slog or just so, I would say, seemingly like a bit of a money grab. Like there's just, I don't feel a lot of heart in it. There's a lot of mediocre or good. There's a lot of, you know, 182. But going back to amazing songs, Janet's amazing is truly amazing for the time or not the time, fitting perfectly, her feel. The songs are great. You have songs like Nasty and the Pleasure Principle stuff that she did. What Have You Done For Me Lately? The Song Control. You have Rhythm Nation. You have State of the World. You have Miss You Much, Escapade, Black Cat. I think Sven and I talked about Black Cat for like a half hour straight. I mean, that's all off of only two albums of hers, which yes, those two albums are the Janet albums and everybody knows it, but just two albums, that many amazing songs, that's a big deal. That's really cool. And then vinyls I would own, I would own three, maybe four. I have to wait to get more into her new stuff again, but I don't think so. I think I'm pretty happy with having a three album catalog of Janet as long as Control and Rhythm Nation is in there which which it is and that puts Janet in at a 1.159 not a great score which is funny because I have nothing but good things to say about Janet just because you love them doesn't mean that you love the music so much now we go to Joy Division so the band with only 21 songs to me has 14 amazing songs <laughs> That is a high percentage. They have seven good songs. They have no terrible songs. Joy Division never came out with a bad song. 
fight me. The only thing that hurts them is vinyls, two. They only have two albums. I understand they have extra stuff. I do own singles. I do own Level Terrace Apart and, and a couple things that come after, but I'm not counting those. I, it has to be a full album. That's just me being a dick, being who I am. It doesn't matter, though, because that still is a very high score of 1.867. There we go for my favorites. Where does that clock us in now? Well, it clocks us in here. At the bottom of the list, we have Green Day. Two amazing albums and then a ton of crap at 1.089. Second, and it kind of pains me, Janet, 1.159. I really, I am a bigger fan of that. But, you know, a lot of the bands that I've done so far are, man, I really, really like them. I get the, here's what I'll say. I get the feeling of a few years of this, and there are going to be a lot of things lower than what I have right now on my favorites. Next is Jerry Cantrell at a 1.333, followed by Michael, the brother, at 1.350. I always say that Janet's my favorite, but apparently uh, Michael's a little bit higher musically. I just, I dig Janet's vibe a little more. Next up, over Michael, is Muse, barely, at a 1.376. And man, they would be so much higher if it wasn't for their last album and maybe uh, like half of their last two albums. I feel like if this would have been pre-Will the People, they would have been two more up. And then right after them, so above, by a pretty good margin, is System of a Down at 1.414. Just below Soul Coughing at a 1.450, which I'm comfortable with. And then above them, Peter Gabriel at 1.493. Above them, Foo Fighters at a 1.524. Above them, Credence at a 1.556. And... Yes, it's correct. Cake has been dethroned. They lasted an episode. They did a great job. But Cake's 1.754 cannot match Joy Division's DL's favorite rank of 1.867. So as of now, yes, my current favorite band of all time out of these 12, so let's not get crazy, is Joy Division. Although I do see that one being a pretty hard one to beat. You talk about quality over quantity, this is one of the best examples right here. I can think of a couple other ones, but this is a big one. And that's it. That is the last great search of this year. Tell me what you think. Tell me where you disagree. Tell me why you think it's ridiculous and that as far as favorites of all time, how does Green Day score so low? How does Cake score so high? You know, since that's so hard to argue because it's favorites, go to the best. Ask me how CCR can be three lower than Foo Fighters or how System of a Down can be below Joy Division or how Soul Coughing is basically no score. Although I don't, I'm not sure how people can argue that. Keep in mind, I love all these bands, so don't be too hard on me just because I, you know, didn't mark them. They can't all be number ones, people. Done like dinner. Hope everybody's doing well. Join us next week. You know what's up next week? Samesies. You know what Samesies is? No, you don't? Well, you're going to find out. It is going to be a reoccurring episode that's going to happen at the end of every year. Yes, that's right. We have officially started our end of year episodes. So starting with the next episode, all episodes subsequent, there's going to be something similar at the end of every year. We've reached it. Coming up next week, versecourseverse.com, at versecourseversepod. Like, follow, write reviews, do the things. You guys are amazing. You gals are amazing. Thank you so much. Good night and good luck. <laughs> <laughs>
Are you 